The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Wendy, 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 getting old is not for the faint of heart. Um, well, yeah, especially if you've got, like, heart disease. <laughs> no? I guess. I guess it's not for the faint of heart then, for sure. But it's, you know what, it's even more of a challenge in these, what are we calling them, postmodern times. I, I used to think getting old, first of all, wasn't going to happen to me. And second of all, uh, when it did, it, it would be a time to, to chill, to settle down, to take up gardening and shuffleboard. And, but basically, <laughs> there would be no demands on me after a certain point. And, uh, you know, just enjoy yeah. the passing show. Yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to imagine you relaxing and maybe playing shuffle. No, I can't. I'm going to draw the line of shuffleboard. But every older person I know um, is on the go. They're traveling or they're running a side gig or they're doing a podcast or they're taking up extreme sports like you. Look at you. You you say you're a thousand years old and yet there you are windsurfing and kite riding and and reverse downhill skiing and whatever it is that you do well i'm running marathons every every day i run a couple just a couple of marathons no i'm uh that's a little bit of an not quite a thousand but you are you're very you're very active in your decrepitude um but take zoomer magazine right it's a lifestyle magazine for people over 40 so that's when it begins that's really old 40 yeah yeah, who do stuff like that and 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 hang glide and, and look amazing while they're doing it. And it's called Empowered Aging. I think there's a fair amount of pressure in there. Like, can't we wear slippers all day and, and watch Jeopardy? Well, I'm not. You you watch Jeopardy and I wear slippers. So I think we've got <laughs> that covered. I, I think we can do both. And today we're talking to someone who represents getting older and being kind of fabulous. Suzanne Boyd, she's a fashion icon in this country, a former editor of Flair magazine, the first black woman to head a major Canadian publication, a whole, well, anyway, the resume goes on and on. Well, to make a long resume a little bit shorter, Suzanne decamped New York in the 2000s and started a magazine there called Suede, which is a story in itself. Uh, But then she was eventually lured back to Toronto, where she's now editor-in-chief of Zoomer magazine, and almost immediately recognizable because she's gorgeous, she's seven feet tall, and she can throw on a paper bag and (laughs) set it on fire and, you know, call it an outfit. So, Suzanne Boyd. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure she's seven foot, but yeah, but yeah, she is fabulous. Uh, so we want to talk to Suzanne about her achievements and about getting older and being fabulous and the expectations and must must we must fabulous? We be, well, you know, yeah, must we be fabulous? This is a woman who once said comfort is overrated. <laughs> yes, you did, Suzanne, and that she'd never be caught. Completely, um, still stand by that. Okay, so my first question to you is, what are you wearing on your feet? Let's see your feet. Let's see your feet. Hey, I'm wearing some <laughs> brogues. I can't lift my feet that high because I'm <laughs> so tall. But I'm wearing <laughs> brogues with a gold-plated topper. Wow, wow. So, do you still wear high heels? Like you, you're not seven foot, but you're almost six foot, and you wear, don't you? Like normally, like I know it's sort of morning, it's early morning for you, but do you still wear high heels? Yeah, all the time. Wow. You know, one of our earlier guests on the podcast was Marie Hannon, the lawyer, who's incredibly glamorous and has a very similar aesthetic as you do. When I remember we asked her, is this something that you put on for to, to intimidate in court and so on? She said, no, this is who I am. And I am assuming this is, have you always been fabulous, even as a little girl? 
It seems like such a loaded question. I mean, like, how do you define fabulous? It's it's fashion or clothes. Are you talking about my parents, how I dress? Yes, yes. Well, you know, um, fashion and clothes were always a part of my family. Both my grandmothers were dressmakers, seamstresses. They were the bone patterns all around. I remember being changed and dressed all the time. Like you change to go to the botanical gardens for your afternoon walk. You change to go to dinner. You change. So I was always around clothes and fashion and sort of fell into fashion magazines after actually being in news and wanting to be a news journalist. And I was interning at a magazine and um, someone said, oh, you look good. You dress well. You should be a stylist. And I said, what's that? And sort of, so it sort of snowballed. So I, be- I became a fashion journalist, but I use clothes. It's just how I amuse myself. I just like to dress. I like patterns. I like color. I like shiny things. So yeah, I guess it is me in a way, but I don't think of it that way. It's not my identity or anything like that. So I was checking out your your uh, Instagram and there's all kinds of pictures going back. There was, I think there was even pictures of your apartment in New York and there's so much color and there's so many references to waves and being the Caribbean. So I've got to get it out of the way because Maureen is not at all interested in, uh, in windsurfing, but you like to surf and you learn, you learn to surf in, in the Caribbean. Yes. When I was maybe an early teenager, I forget what year. Anyway, in the 80s, we moved to Barbados on a surf break. My house was across from one of the main surf breaks on the island, South Point, and I became a surfer, surrounded by surfers. There's a group called the South Point Riders. It was all boys and a couple girls, and we just marauded around with surfboards, skateboards. Then windsurfing came in. I remember when when the first windsurf showed up on the break. And everyone was fighting over it. So that's what my identity is. I consider myself a surfer, even though I haven't done it for many years and I'm not very good at it. But you know, that's my sensibility. That's who. That's how I see myself. Once a surfer, always a surfer, no matter what. So, Suzanne, you know, your resume is uh, certainly long and available to anybody who wants to check it out. But I'm, I'm interested, we are interested, uh, certainly today, to talk about the idea of empowered aging and also the fact that it may not be for everybody. Some people just say, okay, I'm done. Well, empowered aging is whatever you want it to be. So if you're done, that's completely up to you. If you want to keep doing what you've always done, if you want to reinvent, if you want to just stay how you are, it's completely up to you. So we don't we don't see it as putting pressure to be something you're not or what you want to be. But we also think that, you know, aging is um, mischaracterized. It's been mischaracterized for a long time. You know, it's the butt of jokes. It's the, it's the disrespect to older people. It's people being made to feel they should be ashamed of your age. And we're here to change all that. And I think we have. It's been 15 years since we've been doing it. Since Zoomer Media started, Zoomer Magazine was launched. We're celebrating our 15th anniversary this October. And our anniversary starts then. And so at that time, especially when it was created, it was just the, it was the last, you know, acceptable-ism. And it still kind of is. Yeah, it's interesting. I told my daughter, who's uh, 24, so she's like a child, um, who is an adult. But anyway, she said Zoomers, Zoomer magazine. So obviously, like 24-year-olds don't read Zoomer magazine. Um, but a lot of other people do. But she was interesting because she's, I guess she's just out of Gen Z or I don't know. I've lost track. There's too many generations. But she says that Zoomers are what the Gen Z are called. So like, who knew? <laughs> you can't have it. That's ours. <laughs> Because we did a piece on, uh, we had Sharon Stone on our cover a couple months ago, and she made some very spicy comments about Meryl Streep. 
and it sort of went around the world. It was this sort of viral snowball and it was, you know, on the CNN crawl and it was on <laughs> Fox News. It was being picked up in Australia and, uh, and until, you know, there was a Britney Spears situation and that's what stopped it from snowballing even further. But all the all the reportage was, well, she talked to this thing called Zoomer, which is odd considering because in America and the States, they, the Zoomers are the kids. And um, but we had the word first and it's <laughs> ours. So it's ours. So here here's a loaded question. And there obviously there's no exact answer, but. Zoomer Magazine or Zoomer Media is intended for people, some say over 45, some say over 40. What's the demarcation point? So so basically when it was created by our founder, Moses Neimer, and so he had done city television and chum and much music, and it was all about being aimed at the boomers. And he always understood that the boomers were a very important generation, not just because they were young at the time, but it's because there were so many of them. And so here was this crowd sort of aging. And so when it started, the youngest boomer was 45. So that's how it started. But as we know, as if we're lucky enough to get older, to live as long enough to get older, age is a self-perpetuating demo, right? So you know, everyone, whether you're Gen Z or Millennium, you're going to be 45 at some point. So I think it's more of a broader point of view. It starts when you feel that you need to start thinking about it. So our audience, we have people in their 30s or 40s who may have parents they need to take care of, or they like our travel content, or they like our health content, because I always say aging is not a ghetto. Aging happens, you live in a society, you're part of a group, so everyone experiences aging at different levels and at different times. And so that was really the point of view. So I don't like to, this is funny coming from me, but I don't actually like to put an age on it. You talked about Sharon Stone. Do you, uh, when you reach out to these people, do, do you say, yeah, you're, you're old, but you're cool. So will you come on? Like, uh, how do you approach them? <laughs> you know, I, I think you don't have to be cool. Like what, what's cool is like being fabulous. What does that mean? You know, I think you have to feel in your heart or at that stage in your life where you want certain sort of information. So there's information about, you know, finance, retirement, how to retire well, how, you know, if you haven't planned, how do you start planning? Then there's health. What's the latest on longevity? One of the most exciting stories in the world right now is this longevity. It's even on succession with the Living Plus and Radical Life Extension, what's going on in Silicon Valley with AI and the singularity. So there's that. There's the, you know, there's the science technology story. And that goes right down to diet and nutrition. Every day you read a new study. Is it good for your heart? Is it bad for your heart? Is this a superfood or is it not a superfood? Do you have all the answers? Well, we try to. <laughs> we try to have the answers. We, I feel like we're a navigational tool. We're a guide. And, you know, so I think the goal is not, again, to talk about succession, but, you know, sort of farcical in a way. But that idea of health and happiness. So that's what you want for as long as possible. And how you get there, whether you want to sit on the couch and watch television, which I wouldn't recommend for a very long time because standing is better for your health and longevity, <laughs> but you can sit and watch television or you can go hang gliding. It's completely up to you. And so we try to give the options. Here's a menu of things you can do and think about as you go through this stage, which we think is a privilege because if you weren't getting old, you'd be, you know, not alive. So I think that's a positive. It is. And, and there's no argument there, not from me, not from us, I don't think. But there's also, and there, there's no getting away from this, but there's this aspect of passing, which I, I find really, uh, as a woman with white hair, <laughs> I gave up passing and it wouldn't color my hair anymore. But there's this 
there's this idea behind advertising towards older people, especially women, that if you do this, you won't look your age. And, you know, personally, I'd rather buy a product or consider a product that makes me look good at my age. But instead, we're constantly being encouraged to pass as someone younger. Yeah, I'm so tired of the expression uh, mutton dressed as lamb. Like, you wear what makes you look decent or makes you feel decent. No, Makes you feel good. Yeah, I mean, th- there is an offensive element to that. And when we started, you know, they're looking at words like anti-aging. It's a, it's a whole category in the cosmetic industry. And we're not anti-aging. We're pro-aging. So how do you talk about it? And a couple of years ago, Allure magazine banned the term anti-aging. And they want, you know, Helen Mirren came out and said, don't retouch my photos. And she asked L'Oreal in the advertising not to retouch her photos. And it's, you know, because it's so endemic and it's so deep in how we think about ourselves, it's really trying to find the right language to say there's nothing wrong with aging and but you want to look a certain way you see yourself a certain way so we try not to judge right so we actually did a story recently called filter face the rise of filter face and how these people go on instagram and filter the living daylights out of themselves what does that do instagram had the studies their own studies showed that it's damaging the images on instagram are damaging to younger women and teenage girls about body image so when people in the public eye go on Instagram and sort of AI their faces and, oh, she's 76. Wow. I mean, what, what does that, what does that do? What does that do to you? It's almost like fashion and advertising is coming around to it because they understand where the money is, that they're more older people. And women are saying, we don't want to see teenagers advertising skin cream to make your skin firmer. Right. It, it just makes no sense. So now you're seeing this whole trend of, uh, you know, grand influencers and gray-haired models like that's like Glossier just has this gray-haired model and you know obviously older women and then when like Joan Gideon was used by Celine for their sunglasses ad so so is this a trend or is it happening so that's the question right cool to use older models or is it going to pass so these are things we examine and in our daily lives like I'm starting we're starting a new newsletter and section called the Zoomerists and it's precisely about this like these conversations around the parents and how you should feel about them. But also, if you don't want to color your hair, don't color your hair. But, you know, and we, we, we talk about that as well as if you want to color your hair, well, here's what you do. It's just personal choice. Yeah, it makes me think of Lisa Laflamme and the whole gray hair thing. Like, I think it was way more complicated than than the gray hair, but it, it, it has got people sort of talking about how it wasn't just COVID, it's everything else. It's like, but it, it does make me think, like, is it as cool to be an older woman as it used to be? Like Marie Hannon, who we mentioned earlier as a, a fabulous person who you may not identify with fashion-wise, but whatever, she was... Right. I just, I, I think she's, I think she looks fabulous if we're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, but she was saying that that men, when they turn fifty, that people still look up to them as like, oh, you're you're like a god, and your wrinkles are so attractive, and uh, oh, f- a fifty year old man, and and women, you know, like I used to think only crazy old ladies got menopause, and and it's still like you can't like say the word menopause because it's just not cool. And I I'm old enough, I re- old enough, I remember uh, when it was bad to say the word vagina. So is it still okay to be a woman who is? Older or is it is it still different for women? 
Well, I think it's still different, but I think it's changing. I mean, we just did another another feature called the branding, the rebranding of menopause, where it has become cool because people have seen money in it, right? There's it always comes back to do you see a market, and is there something you can sell to someone? So there's all these celebrities like Naomi Watts and Gwyneth Paltrow, and they now have menopause friendly brands and products that they're selling to women in their demos. And that was the whole point of the story. It used to be you weren't allowed to say it. And now people are shouting it off the rooftops because they're selling it on their websites or they're finding that they can, you know, they can carve out a position and an identity for themselves. Maybe there should be something in between. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it every day. <laughs> but money money remains an issue. And that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a market for it. So of course there's going to be a there's going to be a supply for the demand. But that being said, money is an issue for most older people because Chances are you are not as employable if you're not currently employed. You know, finding a job in your 50s and 60s and beyond is very difficult. You won't make the kind of money that you did. You might be living on a limited income. I mean, I look at, I, I used to work in radio and the demo, the ideal demographic, I think, was 25 to 50. And after that, who cares? What? Um, but the truth of the matter is that, you know, older people don't not do not, they either have a lot of money and they're traveling and they're, you know, the Zoomer generation is fine or they are, I think, you know, of my mother who was living on a limited income who would aspire to have that lifestyle. But I mean, that's got to be something you, you take into consideration. Just to go on a little bit since I'm on it, it's one of the things I hate about mainstream magazines from Toronto Life to Vogue is like, I do not have $5,000 for an evening bag. So, I mean, is that uh, is that respected? Yeah, it is respected. I mean, I, I look at those magazines, too, and I don't have $100,000 for couture dress, but it does, it does inspire me at times. I don't look at them as prescriptive to my life in a certain way. With Zoomer, we feel we are prescriptive in a sense that we are reflecting and relevant to what people are going through. We do take it into consideration. So we have a policy arm and we cover those are the issues we cover seniors on a fixed income the healthcare system so we we do talk about those things but we also think people want to enjoy their lives so we do cover the gamut it's a funny thing with us we're a niche magazine for a broad audience and and that's how we approach it so we try to show options we try to show we'll show a bucket list trip but we'll show other things that you can do that don't cost a lot of money. We're not a fashion magazine per se, even though we have style. So we're not showing a bunch of expensive clothes or fashion because we think at this age, people know what they like to the point where they know what they can afford. But of course, our money pillar, which personal finance, planning, if you're on a fixed income, what's to make the most of it, how to make the most of your real estate. So we do cover all those aspects as well. The Women of Ill Repute. I, I remember when you went to New York and you were you were going to do this amazing magazine called Suede. And there was so much excitement about it. And it was so cool. And then it, it didn't last. And you, you know, you ended up coming back and it's great. And we're, it's wonderful to have you and so on. But like, what, what would what would you do now? And would it succeed now? Because I think the ideas behind it were like pretty cool. Yeah, so Suede was, it was a really exciting thing. It lasted four issues. It's a really great business story, actually, because it was a Time Inc. And Time Inc. was the king of publishing. It was the most storied publishing entity, which is why they had been headhunting me for a couple of years. 
And but I didn't see the reason to leave being an editor in chief at Flair to go and work in style or at People magazine as not in charge. So when they offered me something to start something new and fresh, I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. The idea was that women of color, black women specifically in the States, had created so many sort of fashion trends and so many stylish sort of opportunities for the rest of society to have fun with and were never sort of given the credit. And so it was to show that, you know, where fashion came from. And it was that time when hip hop was really ascending into luxury. So the the line was hip hop meets haute couture. And the women we were speaking to were, we call them the ultra suede. So people who were really, really loved fashion and beauty, who took pride in, in, you know, really adorning themselves in a cultural way. It was really great, but it was closed down because of a business situation where magazines, it was the first time, you know, legacy media started to feel the pinch. And Time Inc. had launched five magazines in that year after having profits for just quarters and quarters and quarters. And this was the first year they wouldn't make whatever they were their number. And so then there was a decision made to shut it down. There's a lot more to the story. I'm actually writing about it because such a great sort of, it was a zeitgeist moment. It was a story, but I'm really proud of what I did at Suede because it really set a tone. And I mean, in terms of the industry, which was A plus from Advertising Age, endorsed by the New York Times, Italian Vogue, the only negative press we got on it was from Canada. And really? Why? <laughs> oh, what wow. did they say? Well, I mean, when it was closed, I mean, the New York press was like, this is shocking. And, you know, Norm Perlstein just said it was unbelievable. And, you know, he was the editor in chief of Time Inc. But there was a cover story done about the closing five days later after the New York press in a Canadian paper of record that was full of untrue things about what had happened and why it had happened. And so that's always so interesting, you know, when your hometown paper, you know, does the the unwarranted hatchet job. So now you have a book. I can't wait to read the book. (laughs) What's it called? What was really great about that experience of Suede, you know, it's where the staff went. Staff had come from some of the best publications in America and some from Canada. And they all, they're hard at Vogue and Style. They're hard at all the best places. And to this day, I get calls from young Black women saying, oh, my gosh, I wish we still had this. So it's become sort of like a cult thing where they say, I have all four issues. And this is what it inspired me to do. <laughs> yeah. It's still on mood boards of great stylists and great fashion people, you know, around the world. So we're very proud of that record. But in a funny way, it led me to this job. Because when Moses, I was sitting in New York just for four years and I was having a great time. I didn't work for a while after because I'd worked all my life with no vacations. And, you know, I said, I'm just going to take a break, do yoga at 11 in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) go to parties, not worry about covering them and doing a bit of writing for Vogue and for Oprah, just doing the odd thing for fun. And I just got an email out of the blue from Moses who said, I've taken control of a magazine that has a larger circulation than Flair. And I'd never heard of it. It was a CARP magazine. So CARP is a Citizens Association for Older Canadians. So he wanted me to take this magazine and sort of rebrand it as a lifestyle publication that could sell against the best Canadian brands and American brands on the newsstand. And what was very similar about it, even though it didn't seem like a fit, like CARP magazine had great information, came up like a medical pamphlet. There was no production, no lifestyle, but it was for underserved market. And that's what I liked about the idea was like for Suede, it was about an underserved market. Black women 
in America spend so much of their income and their energy on fashion and beauty, but they're never spoken to. Advertisers do not talk to them. Marketers do not talk to them. They don't want to lend the clothes to the black celebrities at the time, the fashion houses, even though the hip hoppers were buying all the Louis Vuitton, they didn't want to admit it. So there was that sort of stigma that we had to say, look, this is a magazine that is as good or better than a lot of magazines out there. We have the production values. We have the audience. You should speak to this audience through our pages. And it was the same thing with Zoomer. We have this population. No one was speaking to this audience in a respectful way, talking to them specifically about them. You had other great Canadian brands saying, oh, we don't want the older audience. We want to be younger, younger. And we're saying, come to us. We want the older audience because we think you're valuable. We think you have a story to tell. We think you there are stories that should be told to you and information you should have served to you in a respectful way. It was really the same impetus for me as an editor to want to do both those both those jobs. I want to get a t-shirt that says I'm old and I'm proud. <laughs> I think Maureen wants to be on the cover. I, I would like yeah. to be too. <laughs> Hi, we're here. Um. Well, I mean, that's getting back to Wendy's observation that when you approach people, you are acknowledging that they are a certain age, a Zoomer icon. <laughs> yeah, they're a certain age. You're not going to have, you know, Hallie Seinfeld. Male, female thing. We have more women who would, men say yes, easier to our cover. Hmm. I bet. Because a lot of women still don't want to say, oh, I'm old enough to be yeah. on this cover. I I was a magazine girl, you know, I bought them when I had no money, I would still buy magazines and I and I still get the the actual tangible paper magazines, Vanity Fair in particular, but not nearly as much. And I'm missing something. I'm not big on looking at them online. There's something about glossy pages and so on. And I what what are your thoughts on where where we're going with the the magazine? Zoomer's a media company, but the magazine part portion of it particularly. Yeah, and, you know, it was funny when um, Moses did this in 2008, it was like, oh, a magazine in this day and age. But I think it's about the content and just being really relevant to people's lives. So we are doing something that no one else is doing in print. And luckily, we have an audience that is used to print and loves print. But I'm, I'm platform agnostic. You have to be in this day and age. So obviously, we have a website. We have seven newsletters a week. We have, as you said, it's a media company with television and radio, but also Zoomer Media just purchased BlogTO and The Daily Hive. So we understand there's a digital pivot in the world, but I think there's room for all sorts of platforms if it's done properly. So will it be the glory days where, you know, you had really thick doorstopper glossies and tons of them? No, it's shrinking all the time. But I think it's using the pages as real estate and just treating them as everything on that page and every page you print has to have a purpose and be really focused on that. And then I think the audience will come. I mean, our circulation, our page circulation is going up. Our readership is going up. And and that's because I think we're speaking to the right people in the right way. You know, the glory days were the 90s, right? It's all massive budgets. and Yeah, no, the glory days at CBC too. And I don't think like mainstream media, like good luck, everybody. But, uh, but I want to get to something that you've touched on just before we came on air. And again, you talked about how when you were in New York, you used to do yoga at 11 a.m. You don't get up till like 11 a.m. You like party all night. You're like, you're like a night person. You're like a teenager yeah. or a vampire. Yeah, yeah. vampire. I like vampires better. They're nice. I know I do get up before 11. I just usually start my day around this time. I'm a night person. So, you know, I read work well into the night and then, you know, 
I get up, I read the news, obviously. So like, I don't really like a meeting before 11, but being on camera at 11 is early for me. I feel- <laughs> yeah, we are shooting this at 11. So we are we are very appreciative. But I, I do worry, I, I when I was working, I used to like, and I still suffer from insomnia. And I think I read somewhere that, that you've like had it all your life. So I don't know, is there, I don't think there is like a magic cure for that other than like go to bed at the same time. and A clean conscience, Wendy. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I, I have one now. <laughs> I just, you know, I think it comes from working in nightclubs in the 80s after I dropped out of university. I was working in a nightclub midnight to light. So you'd work all night, then you'd go to France and like, you know, or the Golden Grill and have breakfast, then go to the beach or something. So I did that for years and years and years. So I just think it's my body clock. I mean, I possibly could go to a sleep clinic, but I actually find it useful. I, I just like reading. There's so much to read now. That's one of the issues. I think it's more the mental overload of doing media in this day and age where you have to read so many things because all the social media, all the perspective, there's so much content out there. And so I feel to do my role properly, I have to take it all in and be able to synthesize it. So when we come up with story ideas, what's going on, what do we need to talk about for the daily website, for the print edition, for the newsletters. So I just like that time of just late at night, just, just reading a million things. And um, I find it peaceful. Yeah, I like that time of night too. I used to work, well, I used to work until 11 or 12 at midnight and start early in the day and have a really, really long days. And I miss that time. I, I remember, Maureen will remember CKFM and uh, Virgin Radio. I used to get up at, you know, four in the morning, which is when she used to get up. But I would go in and do traffic and I'd, I would be like so quiet and there'd be nobody else. And it would be like 4 a.m. or well, at night, going to bed at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whenever you go to bed. And then coming out at nine o'clock in the morning when the traffic was over and there's all these people. What are all these people doing? <laughs> these people. Yeah, I know. I, I got up at 3.30 on and off for 40 years and only the last year and a half have I stopped doing that. And I sleep till eight like a baby without any problem at all. And so, and I stay up late at night and I love it. And so, you know, I'm back to what I think is my natural rhythm, kind of like yours. It does disturb me because I keep reading all these studies and doing all these stories about how when sleep deprivation is cumulative and it does affect cognition, it sort of catches up with you. So I'm trying actually to change my body clock and don't start a novel at 1 a.m. Clear conscience, uh, apparently. is yeah. <laughs> Clear it's conscience. Followed by, it's followed by um, Kiefer Sutherland at 2 a.m. Start watching at 2 a.m. That's probably not it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Would none of us, the three of us here, are in any way, shape, or form? Maybe we're Wendy and I are slowing down, meaning we're not working as much or as lucratively as we did. But what do, what do you see yourself doing down the line? Like I'm worried. My my I'm worried if my husband retires and he's not going to for a while. But what is he going to do? And I think that's something that a lot of people who are going transitioning into their next act are are wondering. What are you going to do? Oh, I haven't thought about it. I never. I, never plan it. I probably should. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe write write a book. You know, just don't know. No plan. Yeah. <laughs> no, haven't thought about it. But we do think a lot of, about for our audience. <laughs> I said, we just published another story. It's not in print yet about a woman who was like sort of someone like me, was an editor, downtown person out all the time, 
And then she's she married and her husband is this sort of high octane sort of person. And she's like, he's going to retire. And what am I going to do? Like we're together all the time. So they, they, they picked up a project like a hobby farm, which is, you know, obviously they're in the position to do so. It's a whole story about how having to navigate this sort of transition into retirement and being busy, not being busy. I mean, I should probably think about it. Thanks for asking. I will now start thinking about it. <laughs> no, no, no. You, don't you do whatever to. works for you. It's just that so many people don't and it's not good. They come to a full stop. And they get up the morning after their last day at work and don't have a plan. And you can only travel so much, as we know. I mean, you say you're going to travel. Sure. Are you going to travel 12 months of the year? No, I don't think so. I think it is. And what we've discovered is when people stop without a passion, more so a plan. So obviously, there's the plan and needing to be financially prepared. And, you know, are you downsizing? Do you have enough RSPs? All, all that sort of stuff. That's a given that needs to be done. And if you haven't been doing it, you need to start and figure it out, adjust your lifestyle, would talk to your kids, whatever you need to do. But the other side of it is when you stop and your job was your life is what's your passion? Like I, I will always have the passion. I will have the passion for writing poetry. I'll have the passion for being creative. I'll have the passion for dressing myself just to amuse myself. So I think that was always the problem. People stop their job and then they, they golfed with their for work or that's a stereotypical thing and then you can only golf so much so what's really in your heart what do you want to do and people are finding such a rich vein like volunteering they start whole and that's also kind of what we mean by empowered aging not that you have to become a elite athlete at 80 even though we do have people who do <laughs> and, train and now have a million followers on instagram like body from joan but it's fi finding that thing that keeps you purposeful and keeps you excited. I just hope that you, whatever you choose, whatever the plan is, uh, not that you need a plan right now, I just hope that you won't be wearing loafers. Um, well, I will hold that you I to that. I never wear loafers. Just I bought a pair of loafers, but they were silver and shiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no heels. <laughs> but no, I always have a heel in my back pocket. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and I hear clogs are all the rage this summer. So, you know... I know, I know they are. They come back every 10 years. That's yeah, it. don't throw them out. Yeah, I can't do <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, Suzanne Boyd, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. You look fabulous for what it's worth. <laughs> we're not supposed to say that, but you do. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to say that, but I know you had a great career and you've done all kinds of wonderful things, but yeah, you, you look great. <laughs> Thanks for having me, making me think about things. Well, we that's we 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 got a lot to think about too. We need a plan. <laughs> Start with a plan. Start with a plan. Slippers, that's my plan. Yeah, um. and that's fine if it is. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, and yeah, and Zoomer's great, so it's fun. Yeah. You know, we have to stop using the word, I, f I have to stop using the word fabulous, <laughs> because why is that the only adjective for a, a magnificent older woman? Yeah, well, she she said that if we didn't want to do video, that she didn't want to act like a diva. And I was saying, yeah, we'll call you. So, I mean, it's, there's terrible words. You shouldn't, there, there are words that you should never use. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I, I always say, she was so lovely. She was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> she was so fabulous. I have, I have not given Zoomer any time 
Not 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 in a dismissive way. I just never thought I never thought it applied to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because you're you're thirty nine, are yeah, you? Because yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't lie about my age. Just don't. I just don't want to talk about it because I don't want to be pigeonholed uh, as I used to pigeonhole people who were over fifty. I am over fifty. I will admit to that. But uh, but Zoomer sounds like it's a full service. Like it sounds a lot more interesting than I realized. It's not just like you know retirement homes and. <laughs> It's in fact, it's, it sounds like it's anything but retirement homes. Some of my best friends are over 50. <gasps> I, I, yeah, I, I think know. I may have met one or two. <laughs> it's shocking. <laughs> but is that pa- going back to that thing about passing? I remember what I was doing a TV show years ago. It was the dish show. It was female, uh, on the Comedy Network. And I think I was 34 at the time. And I mentioned I was 34. And I remember the writer for the show, one of the writers said, don't tell people how old you are. And I said, but I'm, but I'm only 34. And she said, yeah, but just don't, don't ever mention age. Not because you shouldn't be proud or not proud, but because other people will decide that you belong in a slot. I know. And I just think that's so crappy. I just, uh, I, I don't hide my, my age. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> she probably hides it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't hide my age. But, and the only thing that I regret about getting older, as we all are, because the alternative is worse, as they say. Everybody's getting older. Is that I'm closer to the end. And that's, I know. that's what bothers me is that, and it does it just does seem to go faster. So uh, yeah, I try to treasure every moment, but um, some moments can go a little faster. So, <laughs> uh, I remember somebody telling me recently, she's not worried about dying. I mean, it's, now we're taking a very somber turn, but she doesn't worry so much about dying as the lack of runway. And I totally get that. You know, there's just, there's just a, a less and less time to launch something. And see it to fruition. Well, my mother-in-law says, and this is my favorite quote, that uh, life is like a toilet roll. The closer that you get to the end, the faster it goes. Just <laughs> <laughs> the shittier it is. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, she was lovely and fabulous, <laughs> and so are you. Um, life is like a toilet roll. Talk soon. <laughs> Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.